Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionize your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Hi, and welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast Series. I've been doing a series of three episodes of late, looking at applying the learnings from psychology, various theories, experiments, etc., to the world of business and leadership. And for the next two or three episodes, I'm going to turn to a really fascinating field, the area of neuroscience, and what we can learn from neuroscience, and particularly how we can apply that in our day-to-day lives in business and in leadership. So I'm going to pick on four aspects today and just share um, a little bit of the sort of biology and neurology around it and some thoughts and, and some sort of practical takeaways. So we're going to be looking at, first of all, we're going to be looking at the fact that, um, and I'm really sorry to say this, but we actually can't multitask. Um, the second area I want to look at today is about the fact that information we actually process in two ways, one of them really speedily and actually in quite an emotional way. And, and there's certain pitfalls around that, obviously. The third area we're going to look at on this particular episode is about the importance of stimulating creativity and what we need to do for that. And then finally, we're going to look at those incredible things called habits, because we all have them. We have good and bad ones. And we are from the moment that we wake up till the moment we go to bed, uh, creatures of habit. And um, it's amazing how much of our lives are actually ruled by habits. But there you go. So I'm going to start off straight away then by looking at this issue of multitasking. And I know it's a standard joke that men can't multitask, but, you know, allegedly women can. But actually, research has found that uh, over 95 percent of the population can't multitask it. It is said that actually there are 2.5 percent of the population have this ability to be able to split their attention. But for most of us, men and women who listen to this podcast, we can't multitask. And actually our attempts to do it can make us more inefficient. So the thing is, we use the prefrontal cortex to selectively focus our attention and make choices in what we're attending to. So the more sophisticated part of our brain within the cortex is actually making choices about what we're attending to. And the danger is with multitasking is that we're not actually splitting our attention, but we're actually... Um, switching from one thing to another and it makes us less efficient and I'm sure there are a number of ways that you probably think that you multitask it may well be you I don't know you're watching telly whilst having a conversation while being on your phone or you know obviously um, there's been a lot of laws brought in within the UK around the use of mobile phones in cars because of that Um, issue around the fact that we can't give our attention to driving and yet also um, certainly be texting but even you know to a degree be calling and speaking to people on phone so we need to be all be really mindful of that so what we're doing when we actually think we're multitasking is we're switching our attention and use of our brain from one thing to another and it makes us less efficient in fact There was one research study done recently that found that switching your attention between phone and email 
not only impacts on your cognitive processing, makes you less efficient, but it's also been shown to lower your IQ by 10%, obviously not permanently, but it's having an impact on your, your IQ. And for many of us during the pandemic, we've obviously been having Zoom meetings and webinars and that kind of thing. And I'm sure that many of you listening to this will recognize the fact you could well be on your phone looking at emails, etc., while you're doing that. So not only is it making you inefficient, so you're not doing any of those three tasks well, but it could actually be lowering your IQ. So instead, we need to think of making best use of our attention by doing things like batch processing similar tasks. If you're going to do certain tasks that are very similar, why not batch them up? Also block out time for tasks and working on tasks mindfully. And there is this concept of flow, isn't there, where we get into our optimal state. And I've been a great believer for a long time in the fact if you've got something really important to do, disengage from your email, um, switch your phone on silent, don't answer calls, etc and don't allow people to interrupt you as well when I was a manager in my uh, my work before I started my own company I'd go on and find meeting rooms where I could be quiet sit quietly so none of my team can interrupt me when I was working on tasks but we're not multitaskers it will make us less efficient more stressed and it will tire us out as well so there's a lot of downsides to that Now let's turn to the way that we take on board information through our senses and and how we process this. Now, again, just to go into the neuroscience of it, we have a limbic system, which is the emotional sort of core of our brain. And the amygdala is part of that. And it plays a central role in emotional perception and responses. And part of the um, Part of the amygdala is involved in triggering responses we associate with the classic three Fs, the fight, flight, freeze, fear mentality as well. And I talked a lot about this kind of thing in the past, about the way that our survival instinct can trigger and be triggered in ways where it's really counterproductive and it, it's too strong a response for the small issue that's going on. And to look at the neuroscience behind this then, there actually are two routes by which we take in in sensory information and it gets to the amygdala now one route which is made famous by a neuroscientist called Ledoux is actually called the low road and it's also known as the the fast and dirty path and here we're carrying information from our senses to the amygdala in by the thalamus in 20 milliseconds okay but the other route the higher road and the and information is going down both these paths is it is called the cortical route because it actually goes via the cortex. It's going to be longer, slower, less direct, but it actually provides more detailed information about the stimulus that you've just been presented with that your senses are making sense of. And it allows our conscious awareness to actually assess this. It does take 200 milliseconds. So it, as I say, it's a longer route. But the thing is, and what we should take away from this is, when things hit us, um, we should be mindful of the fact that we are uh, the information is going to go down this fast and dirty path, and we're going to trigger emotionally quite quickly. And as I say, possibly in ways that are triggering our three F mentality, our survival mentality, or uh, creating a really strong emotional response. We therefore need to keep ourselves in a calm, alert state and be conscious of this so that we then wait and actually either consciously or even unconsciously allow that 
information that's come to the senses to be digested in a more sophisticated way through our cortex. So it means that we won't then be triggered so easily by the low road, but we can make a reasoned assessment of what is actually coming at us. And, and certainly in relation to the 3S, is there really any potential danger or you know, are we just being emotional with it? So that the important takeaway from this, and we all know those emails or whatever it might be, or a call, which triggers emotionally really quickly. And I've often said to my clients, walk away from emails or situations that make you really emotional because you need to have more time and then come back to it when you're in a calm state. And part of that actually is then this information going via the low, the low and longer path um, rather than this sort of quick and dirty path. So allow yourself the time um, to actually respond to things once it's been processed by the cortex rather than when it's going directly to the amygdala at the part of the emotional sort of centre of your brain, the limbic system. So third area we're going to look at creativity and again just a bit of the neuroscience behind this first of all electrical signals be between our neurons create this neural network and this is where you might have heard the classic phrase brain waves and these brain waves have different frequencies and just to quickly go through these i'm not going to go through it in masses of detail but just so you've got a flavor of it if you've not come across it before you've got gamma waves where these are the fastest waves, where they are based around really strong conscious perception. You've got beta waves, where you are alert and focused on tasks. Then you've got alpha waves, where it's more of a daydreaming, meditating, creative thought place. So we're going slower and slower now through the, the different brain waves. Then you've got theta waves, which are where you are in REM sleep or deep meditation. And then finally, you've got delta waves where you're in a deep sleep. Now, interestingly, studies have shown that if you get stuck in beta frequency mode continuously, it can lead to depression or anxiety. So this ramps up the stress levels. And I'm sure a lot of you business people and leaders out there may know this feeling of being constantly switched on and alert and engaged in things and not being able to switch off. That is going to have really detrimental effects and impact for you over time. So if we actually stimulate or take advantage of alpha waves this is where creativity can come this is where you're going to get your aha moments so there's two good reasons to find more time for alpha frequency brainwaves right there in terms of it actually protecting you from this continuously being stuck in beta frequency which can cause also problems with st stress depression anxiety and also the fact that alpha waves can create more or stimulate more creativity now we can stimulate the alpha state and disengage from the uh, from the beta state by doing a few things and a couple of examples of this would be by allowing yourself time to daydream just actually look out the window of your office and don't feel guilty about that almost think i'm gonna have five minutes not to actually think about any of the tasks that I've had going on during the day and I've got still to come, but I'm just going to allow myself just to look out of the window. You can also meditate as well. Um, and I know a lot of people, uh, you know, that's gaining more popularity. I personally quite like Tai Chi. You could go for a walk. Um, with the idea that you're not going to go for a walk and ruminate and worry about all the things that have been going on during the day, but just allow yourself some time out. And there are other activities as well. I like 
a lunchtime swim it used to be a morning swim shifted that around about <laughs> since the pandemic and quite like break up my day by going for a swim as well and often i have some really good ideas for when i'm swimming and i never knew historically why that was but i think it's because i'm putting myself into more of an alpha state i've also actually recommended to a number of my clients over the years to when you can and i know we can do this more often now have time to just go into a coffee shop which i do this as well and simply sit there with a blank piece of paper no agenda no plan on how you're going to use your time just have 30 minutes 60 minutes with a cup of coffee and just see what happens capture thoughts that come to you i found i've had my most creative ideas when i'm doing that so we do need to make time to disengage from our day-to-day -day tasks and this gamma beta state to create space for creative thinking. So we can consciously slow ourselves down into alpha state. We'll be talking about that with meditating and such like. Or, interestingly enough, we can take advantage of the time when we've just woken up early in the morning, which is when we're in alpha state, and we can let our mind wander and see what sort of problems um, and, and solution to problems that we can find by doing that. And again, um, as I'm sure there are a number of people listening to the podcast, um, I've had clients where they talked about their fact they're waking up too early in the morning and they can't get back off to sleep. And I find this myself sometimes. But what I've realised now is maybe treasure that time rather than fight it against it and trying to get back to sleep. Just literally lie there in that alpha state. Just see what comes into your mind. What, what amazing creative ideas that you have that can come through that. So, so yeah, do when you have those mornings, don't, don't be fearful of not being able to get back. See what creative thinking comes up. And obviously it's worthwhile then, as I've had for years, having a notebook by the side of your bed because you want to capture those really important creative ideas that come up when, you know, when uh, dawn's rising early in the morning. So think about doing that um, and taking advantage of our state, but also how you can stimulate it for yourself. And I mentioned a couple of ideas. I know I've had people say as well, they have loads of ideas when you're in the shower. So sometimes taking a long shower, maybe take a longer shower than you would normally if you've, and just, you know, if you want to stimulate some creativity and, and see what comes from that as well. So fourth area today in terms of what we can take from neuroscience in our daily lives as business people and leaders is the old uh, subject of habits. Now, as I said right at the beginning, we all have habits, uh, good and bad habits. And I don't know about you, I found some bad habits creeping in during what has been um, a sort of 18 month lockdown during the COVID pandemic. And I've worked on bringing some good habits in as well. And again, just a bit of background first on the in terms of the neuroscience. We have the basal ganglia, which is the part of the brain that's very much associated with memory. And the striatum, which is part of this, actually drives habits. And the, the striatum um, actually has input from virtually every region of the cerebral cortex. And in fact, the prefrontal cortex is always on duty or always ready and alert, and it communicates with the striatum as well. Also, what we get as well as part of the habit process is that the hormone dopamine can be released when something's pleasurable. And so if this happens when you're engaged in a particular habit, a good or bad habit, but the, the reward is perceived as pleasurable, 
that release of dopamine can strengthen the habit as well. So we've got quite a complex picture going on here where we've got the stratium that's driving habits, but it's taking input from all parts of the cerebral cortex. The prefrontal cortex is also communicating with the stratium as well. We've got dopamine being, sorry, dopamine being released to actually reinforce um, behavior as well. So this is some of the things this is some of the process that's going on when we get in habits actually starting to wire within our neural network now here's a good thing for you it is said that habits are actually not hardwired but they are soft wired so we can actually do some without with you know the concept of neuroplasticity we can actually start to change our thinking and behavior so we reinforce different neural pathways um, now first of all we need to recognize our habits and they're with us from the time we wake from the time we sleep but you need to be more conscious and we all need to be more conscious in terms of what's going on even some of the basic habits you know in terms of what am i doing as a on a habitual basis when i'm actually getting up in the morning and actually the alarm gone off for example is it a habit that I automatically hit snooze one of the good habits I've developed over the years is not having a snooze on my alarm the alarm goes off and I get out of bed it could be a habit around having a pint of water by the side of your bed that you take a drink of water all these kind of habits so it's watching what you do all the time you know how do you go about taking a shower in the morning and getting yourself ready there'll be habits everywhere so being more conscious of our habits is a good starting point and we need to recognize those habits that are good for us and those habits that are not for good not so good for us and it's interesting actually that a lot of our habits become um, very automatic repetitious and actually some of them could have become almost empty habits that we don't even get any pleasure from anymore or any real benefit from they've just become automatic habits and it's then important that we engage the prefrontal cortex which is our executive you know responsible for our executive functions to start to pick up on this but actually start new behaviors as well because habits in basic terms is a trigger happening a behavior and a reward and it could be as simple as having a cup of coffee leads you to always have a biscuit with it and the reward is that sort of pleasurable sugar rush that you get from that so we need to be thinking then about whether we change the trigger or we change the behavior or we start to engage our cognitive functioning more to start to see rewards differently. It's also an interesting point to take away. It's best not to look to stop a bad habit because that can be difficult. I think we all know that and we've all found that. But actually, it's better to replace a bad habit with a good new one so it may well be for example that having a coffee um, triggers the, um, the having a chocolate biscuit and then the reward is a sugar rush maybe you start having water and you have a piece of carrot to nibble on after and you enjoy that so obviously it's best to pick things that you enjoy but or it could be that you have a cup of coffee and you always have you, you train yourself to just always have a piece of carrot after that so we need to be 
you know be mindful of it consciously think about what the habits are and start to shift them around so the key is to engage with the habit process and particularly in forming new habits as i said either creating new habits from scratch or replacing always looking to replace a bad habit and swap it for another one if you can um, but making that still pleasurable because it's going to be really difficult to do habits that are hard to do and are unpleasant so keep your conscious attention switched on and engage with what is happening be really mindful of all those habits going on and then start to create some new neural pathways with some new habits and i will say be mindful of the fact it may be quite challenging to completely get a get rid of uh, an old habit i mean i'm finding for example my need to go on the news has sort of slipped back and i was talking about this with a neuroscientist actually and saying that um I beginning of the year I had a couple of months where I didn't uh, look at the news, didn't watch the news or didn't go onto news sites and it felt really good, but it slipped back. I think some of it for me is um, that sort of survival instinct to need to know what's going on with the world. But the, um, the neuro neuroscientist uh, said to me that it could well be that somewhere deep down there's been like a real learned behavior like my dad and my dad did always used to watch the news read a newspaper and so maybe that's been sort of wired quite strongly in me over time and it's a, a learned behavior and it may well if i'm not conscious if i don't um, use my conscious attention to create a new habit which is get up every day don't look at the news then it might just slip back so we need to always be conscious of what's going on and it may well be that habits have been around for a long time even though swap them for a new one they may come back but it's just then don't be hard on yourself get yourself to flip back um, into the new habit again and i think just one final thought as well i remember helping um a few people going back when i was more of a life coach in the early days of my business with um, issues around smoking or, or it could be some other uh, sort of habits like that and that's when you get into more addictive behavior as well but I know this is tougher, particularly if it's addictive behaviour, but look at why you want to change things as well. I used to get people to write down a number of reasons why they wanted to quit smoking and stop that habit. So for you, um, probably with things that are less about addictive behaviour, know the reason that you want to change something as well and keep driving that into yourself as to why you are flipping from one habit to another or bringing in a new habit. So there you go. We've looked at four areas of neuroscience and applied them to business and leadership today. We've been looking at um, the fact that we're not multitasking species, apart from 2.5% of us, um, that we do process information through sensor information via two paths. And we need to be more mindful to use that slower path as well as the fast path as well. That we can stimulate more creativity by getting to alpha wave, alpha wave state and take advantage when we are in alpha wave state as well to, to be more creative. And finally, we've looked at that old chestnut of habits and an explanation of how complex it is behind the scenes in terms of what's going on in our neurology in terms of the way habits are laid down but then take away that that point that you know habits aren't hardwired we can rewire our neurology neurology to bring in different habits and new habits i'll be back with a second episode on looking at neuroscience and applying to business and leadership in uh, the further episode but uh, i trust you've enjoyed this and taken away some interesting nuggets from this one
you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.